This podcast is brought to you by Upcase. Improve your development skills by completing coding exercises that are peer-reviewed by real humans. Learn more at upcase.com. How do we want to do this? We've never done How this do before. Do this? I don't know. Uh, uh, do, maybe do we, we just wait? Because yesterday when I was like waiting for my talk, like I was standing there, like I was ready like 10 minutes ago and then I was waiting, oh, is someone going to come tell me you can start now or do I just start? And then I waited 10 minutes and I still don't know and I don't know who to ask. So I just like asked the audience if we should start and the audience said yes. So, started. <laughs> so maybe we can just like wait 10 minutes at the beginning of the podcast. And then, like, <laughs> audience, can we start? Like, yeah. Hi, Sean. Hi, Derek. Hi, Godfrey. Hello. <laughs> we got to do a... What, what, what's the old show where they, like, goodnight from all the different windows and they're turning off the lights? Is that, was that a Brady Bunch thing? It was something. Funny. I don't know. We'll insert crickets there. I, don't, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> well, didn't even grow in Canada, but uh, I'm guessing I didn't watch that show. So how'd your talk go, Godfrey? Um, I survived. And, uh, I heard it was uh, really, really, really good. Somebody said you were one of the best speakers they've seen, so um, I think it went well. People, I think you did more than survive. People are very kind. <laughs> <laughs> what did you talk about? Uh, so the title of the talk is uh, Prying Open the Black Box, and everyone thought it's about Pry, but I didn't <laughs> actually talk about Pry. Um, basically, just like, demystifying what I actually do when I fix Rails bugs because I really don't think I'm doing anything different than what most people do when they fix a bugs in the apps and like I think most people don't realize that so I basically just you know walk through some of the things that I use uh, which is probably the same things that you use and the whole point of the talk is to line up the two things and make it obvious that the only barrier is probably a psychological barrier and not an, a technical one so you can like you know if you notice something weird in your app and you think it's a rails bug you can actually dig into that and like figure out whether it's a rails bug or not and maybe you can even fix it so right. that's pretty much the premise of the talk and you're a very prolific open source contributor right you're on the core team of canada I'm on the core team of Canada. Yes, yeah. correct. What, what is the core team? <laughs> so back up a minute. <laughs> I I wrote the gem called Canada that lets you program in Canadian accent. It lets you what? It lets you program in Canadian accent. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> so like all the predicate methods have A at the end of them. Yeah. And all of the except uh, you I think the exceptions get sorry put in front of them. <laughs> there's been some conversation in our office around like how do you pronounce predicate predicate methods and so somebody uh, started saying like you should say huh. So it'd be like uh, admin, huh? And so I, I was see. like, I don't really like that. that. It sounds like you're coughing. So why don't we say like admin, eh? Yeah, so that's yeah. the other gem that you're talking about. That's the southern gem, I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that's an interesting thing. Um, but yeah, sorry for der- derailing the conversation. Why are you apologizing? <laughs> you're not even Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> Only Canadians are allowed to apologize. Yeah. Americans yeah. certainly don't apologize. Yeah, I'm uh, sorry. <laughs> So are you implying that Rails has bugs? Uh, it's surprisingly, as it might sound, yeah, sometimes Rails has bugs. Wow. So what are, like, we talked a little bit last week on our episode, actually, about, like, our favorite debugging techniques. And one of the things I said is, like, 
I rely on reading source code a lot. Like mm -hmm. I don't go to documentation very much because I don't trust it in right. Ruby, or I don't have ready ac as ready access to it as I do the source code because I can just like bundle open right. the source and start looking right. So like that's my technique is I will just go in and like if I suspect it's a problem in Rails, I'll bundle open Rails. I'll be like, nah. I, the, the, the hardest thing for me is finding the area where the method I'm actually interested in lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I find that and then I just throw a breakpoint in there and I'm like, what's going on in here? Is that is that that's I what, think you're, what you're up to as well. I think you basically just gave my talk in the last 30 seconds. Oh, great. <laughs> so if you have not seen a talk yet, you don't have to wait for it because you already heard it. <laughs> cool. Yeah, I mean, I think it is It is interesting. It's like I think a, a lot of people are afraid of like crossing that barrier from their app to like library code, when in reality, like it's all just Ruby code that you can probably read. Like Rails is like a little obfuscated because of how big it is and how broken down into modules it is and stuff, but... It, dep it depends on what part, too. Like, it, it, most people have a much easier time in, say, typecasting code than association code, right? I mean, like, that, especially when you get into, like, the join dependency graph and stuff like that, that's just... Yeah. But... <laughs> sure. I, like, if I sounded very quiet, it's because I, I just realized I've been nodding a lot, but I realize that doesn't translate to anything on a microphone. So, <laughs> I, I I need to figure out what's the audio mm. equivalent of yeah you say mm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. okay <laughs> I'll keep yeah. doing that for the rest of the episode <laughs> <laughs> keep going uh, no but it's like I mean I like you like you're saying in your talk right Rails is a large legacy code base mm -hmm. and all of the normal strategies that you have for working with that which a lot of people do because i mean that's what we work on in our apps most days for a lot of people and those strategies still apply mm -hmm. <laughs> yep what do you work on during the day when you're like what what is it that leads you to rails bugs to, to solve uh, usually i find most of the rails bugs when i'm working on like client apps or my own apps usually like I try to do something and that didn't work and I was like oh I guess I'm supposed to know this stuff so I try to figure out and then oh well actually that is either not very nice or that's just wrong right like so and then I go complain on campfire and see if anyone gave good reason of the existing behavior and if not then it's probably bugged and I'll add that to my list and eventually fix it so I guess that's that's how I started, and that's still how I like. I don't do a lot of. Uh, I need to go into this piece of code and like refactor it or like check the performance on it. Like that's what Sean and Aaron does a lot, but people do different stuff on the team, and it's good to have like a mix on the team. Right? Like I just use rails and then like i find things that annoys me oh actually when i was doing my talk like i found a few things that was like for example when i don't know if you know about this when you do rails new you can do dash dash def and it would generate like a, a def setup that basically has the gem file points to like your rails checkout so you can like it's for basically for developing rails with an app to test it right like and one of the foot guns in there is that well rails 4.2 obviously that ships with spring but then when you whenever you change any library code or rails code you have to restart your server and restart spring so for that setup the, the spring gem is probably 
hurting more than helping. So maybe we should just not put spring in there for the dev setup and then no one objected, so it did that. And same thing for, we have this thing called bug report templates, which is basically just boilerplate code for you to um, quickly write a single test case for like an active record or like a controller. So it's like a full Rails app in like one file or a full active record setup in one file. So I wanted to talk about that, but I realized when like you're not working on active record or controller box, it's still nice to have that set up, but we don't have that. So I added like a generic bug report template for that. So I, I guess like it's basically paying attention to the little things that annoy you when you when you work and fix those little things and that's what i do for the most part yeah the dash dash dev thing i definitely did not know about so it's a way like when, when i find rails bugs i'm often like okay this is in my entire application how can i boil this down to a base case and then like what i end up doing is doing rails new and then right. like doing like setting up a reproduction of the issue and then being like here's an entire app Right, that yeah. does this reproduction. But if I, you're telling me I can do like dash dash dev and I'll get templates for uh, doing this, or so dash. Sorry, I probably confused you about the two things. So <laughs> dash dash dev is basically what you were you saying. So like it's basically generating new Rails app, but mm-hmm. instead of using like the published gems, it would just like use the local checkout on your computer. So you can quickly change the like if if you believe you found a bug in like active record for example you mm-hmm. can quickly you know you can write the app and then generate the models dependencies or whatever and then you can check that ah it's broken and then you can change active record to fix your bug and then try it again ah now it's fixed the templates is a different thing that lives in the guides folder, I believe. It's mm-hmm. like in the Rails repository, you go to guides, and then there's a folder called bug report templates. So those are free, single, self-contained, executable .rb files. And one of them, the, I believe it's the action controller bug report template. Mm-hmm. So that basically has a mini app set up in uh, a single file that you can experiment with. So that's uh, probably what you're looking yeah, for. Yeah, I'm definitely going to check that out. Like, I feel that'll help me. Like, even in the libraries I maintain that are dependent on Rails, like I could just create a version of that that yeah. also load my libraries. And, yeah, yeah, I actually use that a lot even when I'm not following bug reports or like I just use that a lot to like test APIs or like experiment with stuff, try to, oh, like sometimes that even faster than like looking things up for me so I just right. take that and then write line of code and then oh, okay this does not work now I know yeah it, it might even be useful for like I maintain clearance which is an, a Rails engine which has so it has to have like this Rails app in its test folder like I'm wondering mm-hmm. if I could boil it down to just like here's one file that's like only the parts I need like it loads the parts of Rails I'm using and it loads clearance right. and that's it rather it's than having it spread across several different definitely files. Definitely a very convenient thing to have around. Yeah, I wish more people would use it though. Well, right. we got to know about it now. So, you yeah. know, that's what we're doing. We're telling the people. We're bringing it to the people. Yeah, uh, we, <laughs> we do need to do a better job, I think, of boiling down our contributing guidelines. Um, like the contributing MD file is pretty barren and nobody actually reads the entire contributing right. guide. Yeah. Are there contributing guides for each part? Like, if I want to contribute to Active Record, is there like a contributing guide for just running the Active Record tests? And there's a section of the contributing guide about that. Yeah, it's uh, if you just go to guides.rubyonrails.org, there's a contributing to Ruby on Rails, and there's a section for Active Active Record. I think there's a section for Action Controller. Active Record would be the only one that would have really any setup to it. Right. I think what I struggle with on Active Record is like by default when I run the test, it's like trying to do MySQL stuff. I'm like, no, 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 I don't, I don't, I don't have that installed, and I don't want to have it installed. Well, actually, I do now, but. 
Oh, I'm so sad. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> do, t- do test underscore SQLite 3. Okay. So there you go. So just like do the fastest test you want and then let Travis run the rest. Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> I mean, in general... It I, depends I, on... Sorry. No, go ahead. I, I'm not being Canadian. <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess it depends on like what you're working on, right? Like if you're working on some things that is highly likely to break out a database like typecasting code then you probably want to right like it's it's a faster feedback loop and like it's also because that travis is super slow for rails because we have well because the test suite is pretty slow and we test things very extensively and we only have so many I don't know what they call them, workers or containers. Right. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. and we have the super special hidden, like not actually available, humongous number of workers, and right. it's still not enough. Yeah. Like it's already on the, the like their new container infrastructure? Yeah, uh, we saw more than a 2x increase in our, test run, in our test speed when we switched to the new container infrastructure. Yeah. So that's, for people who don't know, Travis has like a, um, you basically just put pseudo false into your, which is a really weird flag, but you're declaring that you're never going to run sudo, so you put that in your Travis.yaml file, and then it'll spin up Docker instances for you. The tests start instantaneously, yeah, and uh, run. I don't know a lot faster usually. There are some circumstances where they run slower, but yeah, but yeah, it's like you were saying, right? Normally, you only need to run the SQLite three tests. Most likely, if you're if you're touching something that isn't in a specific database adapter, you're unlikely to break something on PG, but have it work on SQLite. Not always, but right. The guy, I guess, like it's not a big deal if you like just do that and then you push it up and you know Travis fail and then like oh okay you just now I need to fix it and then I'll submit that again. That's fine, right? Yeah. Um, I guess just be slightly conscious of the fact that like the CI resource is constrained during certain hours of the day, but usually it's not a super big deal anymore compared to like a year ago because of various improvements that we have in the testing infrastructure yeah right you also mentioned like that like you focus on a different level of bugs than like aaron or sean might focus on and i think that's like it's super easy for me to like go and listen to aaron's keynote which we just did and he's talking about like doing all this memory profiling and like stack profiling on different things i'm like wow this is a level i don't actually go to and i think it's easy for people to look at that and be like well that's good for Aaron, but I guess I could never do that. But there's so much else you can do, even if you're not comfortable getting to that level. And maybe you will get there someday. But like, there's so much else you can do that's just like not at that level, just at the app level kind of concern. Right. And I guess in terms of code contribution, which I don't do a whole lot these days. Um, we talk about that after. But in terms of code contribution, one of the things that I do the most is when we are close to releasing a new version usually my job is to test the new version on this course which is an open source right app. i saw you do, i saw you in that pull request i think that's where i first interacted with you <laughs> right so that's a pretty good way to to contribute right like because there are other open source projects that's about the same complexity the reason we do it is obviously we want to like make sure that the new version works with existing apps and this course happened to be a pretty complex app that it's open source but you probably have work apps right, right like even your own apps would be yeah. a great thing to try right. to just try on the beta and you're going to find sort you're going to find something yep right and possibly something nobody knows about and you're going to be able to like 
at least surface that bug and possibly fix it. So. Yeah, I think during like beta and RC period, like I think we would much rather hear about something than nothing. So like usually if you have like a question kind of thing that might be like distracting on the issue tracker, but like if you're testing a new version of Rails and then something broke, right? Like or something stopped working and you're unsure if you're doing something wrong or if it's Rails breaking something in your app, you should definitely ask that even if you don't plan on fixing that yourself. So that's right. surfacing issues is val is is valuable as well. So well, and a lot of times it can also be a change that we made thinking we'd considered all of the use cases and you have a use case that we didn't consider. And if you test the beta or the RC and you report it during the beta or RC period, we are still able to make those kinds of changes. But if you wait until after we release the version to talk about this, well now making that change is presume is a potentially like a breaking change we just can't do it anymore right makes our lives a lot more difficult yeah so less than off like the the more of the story is like basically test new versions of rails as often as you can um i actually played around with setting up our CI to test against Rails Master, like in a work app every day. I never quite got that fully working, but the idea is, I, I suppose you would have, like you basically branch from master of your own app, and then like you would change the gem file to use Rails Master, and then you would, like run your tests and see what breaks, and like you can file those bugs, right? Yeah. Like I think that's something that a lot of people can potentially do, because you but like if it's work app, you're probably not using a CI resource like at midnight, right? Like so, if we can figure out like an easy way that everyone can do that easily, then it would be a pretty good thing. And that's something that I have to go back to doing. Yeah, I mean that can be hard though, right? Especially with all the internal changes happening in Active Record and ARL. Like if yeah. you have gems, even if the gem spec is loose enough that Bundler will even resolve it against master, you might also just have gems that flat out don't work because they're doing something internal. Right. So yeah, there's definitely a lot of complexity involved. Like it, in, in some level, like at minimum, you can test against the latest of the stable branches. Yeah, right? definitely. Like, so that would be relatively easy to do and even then would be that would be pretty helpful. So, like, basically, just run all your tests against, like, instead of 4.2.1, run them against 4.2 stable. And that helps you as well because, like, you know that when 4.2.2 comes out, you can just safely upgrade and, like, push it to production and nothing is going to... Right. How, but, like, as far as, like, what's on master now, right? So instead of working 4.2 stable, like, if you wanted to point at master, how do I find out what, like... How do I know if what I'm hitting against is already known or not? Um, fouling an issue is probably... like okay. at, at the beginning, I guess you can just file issues, and then like right. over time you would have you a start better to know intuition. Yeah. Um, yeah. I guess right now it's a little bit more difficult because this is 4.2 going to 5, right. which has more breaking changes than usual. But if it's like 4.1 to 4.2, in theory, everything should be backwards compatible Right. sense deprecations right so right. if something suddenly stopped working then we should at minimum be aware of it and like if it's a duplication then Raphael will probably quickly go in there and say this is a duplicate of that and it's like see that ticket for blah 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 and he tend well most most people on the Rails team tend to be really brief on 
the issue tracker. That's because like there's so they many. Have, <laughs> yeah, it's like it's a lot of stuff to to handle, right? Like so, like I don't think they people intend to be like. Sometimes it might come across as like being mean because you're only saying like free words, right? But like I don't think you need to think about it that way. It's probably not the intention, and like so don't don't feel bad for like. Doing things like "quote unquote" wrong, or even like, yeah, it's like in the contribution guide. But like, I think ultimately we still prefer him on the tracker than not on the tracker, even though it's like mm-hmm. the yeah. wrong thing. When in doubt, just open an issue. If we cl- if we need to close it for whatever reason, we'll close it for whatever reason. <laughs> yeah, cool. You can always do a cursory search if you if you think it might be a duplicate. You know, right. But don't you know? Don't don't feel like you have to be one hundred percent certain. Nobody's ever raised anything even remotely like this before. Like worst case, just open an issue. Yep. Cool. What else? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It got noisy. Yeah, it did. I think it's people are coming up to get ready for their talks. Or yeah. Ready get ready for the next round of talks. You got anything you want to plug? We okay. So we are we are planning uh, to have a conference in Vancouver sometime later this year, but unfortunately details are still a little bit sparse. So um, if you might be interested in coming to Canada, um, the better part of Canada anyway, um, <laughs> if you might be interested in doing that, then the best way to stay in the loop is to probably uh, follow the Vancouver Ruby Twitter account. And uh, we'll try to finalize the details as soon as possible and press the. What are what are the best parts of Canada? Uh, Vancouver, just Vancouver. Yeah. Oh, okay. Much. All right. Uh, <laughs> I guess while the whole BC, which is where Vancouver is, and is pretty nice. Like weather is relatively moderate compared to rest of Canada, and like we have beautiful sceneries and stuff like that. All right. <laughs> So we'll all come to the conference then because it sounds delightful. <laughs> all right. We have one ticket sold. <laughs> Thank you for buying our first ticket. <laughs> all right. How's, how's organizing the conference going? Uh, it's unsurprisingly a lot of work. <laughs> and uh, it's uh, a lot of different variables, right? Like you have something in mind and you start looking for like venues and stuff to match what you have in mind. And then you realize, oh, it doesn't match exactly. But if you change a little bit of constraints, then perhaps that will work. But if you change the constraints, then a lot of other options open up and also a lot of other options closes at the same time. So it's... Uh, it's a tricky thing to do and like this is it's not like buying a plane ticket you just look it up and you press a button and it's done right like it's a lot of human interaction and then you like send them an email wait for a few days for a response and then change things changes during those three days and, and, and trying to line like up that. i imagine like other like exterior like trying to line up like two exterior people to provide services together like you need to line right. up the food in the venue and like right exactly up playing middleman a lot and yeah Human interaction. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you, you should solve that problem by writing something that I can, like a button I can click on the internet. Organize do you, conference? Do you want to organize a conference in this state? Yes. Do I want a venue and food? Yes. Okay, I'm just imagining the elevator pitch for this. It's like Clippy, but for conferences. Right. <laughs> All right. Anything else? Do we have an episode yet, Tom? We good. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. All right. Awesome. <laughs> cool. Show notes for this episode can be found at bikeshed.fm slash 21. Special thanks to our guest, Godfrey Chan. Thank you for having me. Uh, what's my other line? Show uh, ratings and reviews. Oh, yeah. As always, <laughs> ratings and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated. Uh, if you need to give us some feedback or you want to get in touch for any other reason, you can email us at hosts at bikeshed.fm or you can leave comments on any episode at bikeshed.fm. 
Thanks for listening to the bike shed, and we'll see you next time. Cool, we're done. All right. <laughs>